I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice the microphones. Trade of all time happened back in 1803. Go ahead. Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana Purchase for $3 million. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. And I came to realize. These guys are funny. And Justin Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, is a some fidget of the best spare. gamblers I've come to know. If you're betting on USC and or TCU, let it be known, you are a square. TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night. And I hate to hear that. Tomorrow when we afternoon. come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU. Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Now, Casey, run that track. Usually I'm pretty pretty don't forgiving like, on that one. I'm, I'm sorry, Casey. I was out on that one. Don't like the base drop? Give it a grade. One to ten. You can use decimals. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 5.3. 5.3. Paul's at all that matters. And for George Santos, who asked, no, that is not me doing the Morgan Freeman impression. I cannot do a Morgan I do a nice Kermit, Kermit the Frog, but that's, that's about all the impressions I get. Time out. They were roasting me for what I was wearing in the chat. What is wrong with, with my outfit? Can someone please let me know? This is not a, a small. It's a large. A schmedium. It is, it is a large. This is what I wear to Zach Bryan concerts. I'm a big Zach Bryan fan. Normally get the mustache growing out. Just like Zach has. This is what I wear for the Zach Bryan concerts. So, what's wrong with what I'm wearing? Guys, do you have any objection to what I'm wearing? No. Thank you. You're looking that's good, all, Reed. That's all I needed. Yeah, I don't, You're looking great. Yeah. I, they, I mean, the, the shoes look a little dirty. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> that just is what it is. All right, guys. This is Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Um, abbreviated off the bench show so we'll try to take you through this final hour we're going to talk about some of the same points that you guys talked about and just kind of go through it so the first thing you guys talked about on the show today was talking about the reds big three tom had a, a, a take and paul you asked a question to tom so i want to ask the question to you back to you how much time do we give these big three like how much sample yeah. size before we can make an opinion on what becomes of these starting pitchers. I think these guys have, at least Hunter Green and, and all of the... Now, I know Tom says don't buy the hype, I, and I understand that because you get so many prospects that don't pan out. So I understand the point that he's coming from, and I quite honestly won't argue against that. But I got to see a whole season. I got to see a whole season, and honestly, maybe even more than one whole season, but I'm not going to sit here and make any kind of a judgment on a guy this soon into a year are that because baseball is too finicky there are too many times during a season where you go through droughts where maybe you aren't finding the zone maybe something's off in your delivery maybe your curve isn't spinning the way you need it to maybe your release point isn't where you need it to be maybe you're tipping pitches maybe there's something going on that you just can't figure out 
and all of a sudden something clicks deep into the season and you figure it out. If you're going inside of a season, I would say the middle of June. I would give these guys four more starts. If you're talking about mm-hmm. like a career judgment, like on like DFA versus a trade I or think, anything else. I think what I'm asking is, is at what point do you – these three pitchers are so – such a linchpin to the future yeah. success yeah, 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 of yeah. the Reds. At what point do you see enough of them? Do you make it a, a judgment to say these are the guys we're riding with or, hey, we'll keep giving them chances, but we need to start looking at other, other options to be the starting rotation of this team going forward. Yeah, I think you have to ride these guys as long as you can because you've invested too much of your franchise into these pitchers to not give them the opportunity to be the future that you think they're going to be because if they don't pan out, then basically what you've done is you've put all of your investment into these guys to then have it backfire on you and you're restarting from the pitching perspective that you were hoping would be what you could mm-hmm. rely on to a point because th- they're starting to get things going with a lineup, right? You have Matt McClain, you have uh, Encarnacion Strand waiting, you have Ellie De La Cruz, you have some of these guys waiting in the wings that are going to hopefully burst onto the scene. But it's been the pitching that you you got to replace Luis Castillo, you got to replace Sonny Gray, you got to mm-hmm. replace Trevor Bauer, you got all these guys that Tyler Malley, yep. you, you thought maybe, yeah, you, that you thought, oh, well, let's keep these guys around for a few years. Didn't keep a single one of them around for a few years. So now you're trying to build this rotation into that. I, I'm giving these guys a year. I, there's two, and maybe even longer than that. Like you've invested way too much of your franchise to restart just because they've had maybe subpar maze. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, one thing that Abraham, uh, Abraham put in the chat was the phrase, they'll be fine. We're hearing this about those three. We're hearing this about Tyler Stevenson. And that might be the case. That really might be the case. But I don't think that you can continue saying they'll be fine and it keeps being reassuring. You can't just convince yourself like, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You got talent. Be fine. Because it's not always fine. That's the point that Tom was making. He wants to see not what you do in the minors, what you do in the majors. And for reference, Hunter Green's thrown 150 innings. Nicola Dolo, Graham Ashcraft have thrown about 130 innings in their professional career and their major league career. So I'm with Paul when I say you've got to see a little more time, right? Not just for this year, give them to the end of this year. And then what are we looking at? 350 innings career. Then you start going, all right, what do we have here? Hunter Green, I think is a special occasion because I think he gets a little more rope. I know that the Reds just signed him to an extension, but there is a matter of fact that Hunter Green came out of high school. Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, they had college experience, and we've seen what college players have produced more so than high school players, right? You got a higher rate on returning college guys and turning them into professional players. So I think you give Hunter Green a little more time. He's a little younger, a couple years younger than Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft, so you give him a little more time. But... End of this year, things haven't gotten better. You got to start looking around. What does the future of this rotation look like? What's the what's the circle? What's the year that everyone's circling? 2025? 2025, yep. So that means that you've got to see significant improvement at the second half of this year 
and next year. So, yeah, give them to the end of the year. And then if it hasn't gotten better, you adjust the, you adjust the focus. You go somewhere else. Yeah. Catching up on the chat right now. Everett was very concerned about Chatterbox Idol. So I was just clarifying that we do have Elliot. Okay. Yeah. We do Go have ahead. Elliot. No. Yeah. So, so Chatterbox Idol isn't happening, but we do have Elliot Rearing, who you may have seen on Twitter yesterday. You want to throw this up? You want to get this tweet up there? Yeah, let's put it up. Let's put so our let's, guy Elliot up there. Let's take this. Uh, Chatterbox Idol, I'll, I'll we interviewed a bunch him. of people, right? Me, Paul, Casey, Trace. We all brought him in, met with people, and we decided Elliot was great. And if we're going to put some help back here, might as well get the shirt thing. And, and we, we realized what Elliot was. And we said, all right, let's give Elliot a, a ride. So Chatterbox Idol, it's no more. But Elliot's going to come on here soon, next Tuesday, right? After Memorial Day. The zebra, as he's so colloquially Th this known is good. on 1530. This, this made me laugh. Quirky. It's yeah, great. go ahead. Hi there, I'm Elliot Rearing. I'm about to make my decision. You know, Mo Egger, my good close personal friend, he gave me the nickname the zebra. I couldn't find the zebra, so we're stuck with this half zebra. Looks, uh, looks like a zebra made love to a deer. My decision, I, Elliot, half zebra Rearing, will be taking his talents. to Chatterbox Sports. That's great. Good stuff. That's an Okapi, right? Okay, I had never heard of that. So, I, Justin you know, Thomas tweeted at me about an Okapi last night, and then Alex Hines puts in the chat about it too. That's an Okapi, which the only reason I know what an Okapi is is because I've been to Animal Kingdom down in a, down at Disney World, and they have Okapi there, and they've, drill in your head like that's not half a zebra that is actually a, gir a giraffe cousin it has no relation to the zebra but it looks like one it has the same stripes in there but elliot he'll be coming on tuesday so you'll see a little bit more of here on chatterbox we're excited about that so that's what happened with chatterbox idol in short is we decided to, to go a different route so we're excited for elliot rearing another e-train here at chatterbox and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a feud on who the real e-train is eddie trainer or Elliot Rearing. So, uh, all right, let me ask you guys another question about the Reds. Every major league team at the All-Star break gets an All-Star. At this point in time, are the Reds a multiple All-Star team? Or who is the Reds All-Star? Chat, who do you guys think the Reds All-Star is? Like, if the All-Star ended today, who's going to play in the All-Star? Friedel. TJ Friedel? Uh, Jacob points out Alexis Diaz. Yeah, Diaz. Uh, Diaz, I guess. Let me take a gander around. <laughs> the chat wants David Bell to manage the team. David Bell. <laughs> the National League manager. I love how you had to explain to Tom yesterday the extend Bell. He was like, people really want to extend David Bell. I was like, well, yeah, the chat does. I do, too. Extend David Bell. Pay the man. He's, he's great. He's the future of this franchise. Great manager. 
great. From Cincinnati, too. Yeah. What more do you need? What more do you need? What about Jonathan India? Jonathan India would be the would for sure be the all-star. Because they like to get a name in there. Mm-hmm. Regardless of, of who has played the best. TJ Friedel has the best OPS plus. He has played the best. But Jonathan India is the biggest name, former rookie of the year. It'd be India. Are they getting India and Alexis Diaz in? Alexis Diaz should be in. Ten saves, eighteen innings pitch. They need to throw Alexis Diaz more. He should be in. Alexis Diaz has the fifth most innings out of the bullpen. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, you got to throw him more. I didn't know that. He's yeah. your he's your best reliever. Well, that's David Bell. Watch your mouth, Reed. Buck Farmer, Anjabo, Derek Law, Alex Young all have thrown more innings than Alexis Diaz this year. He hadn't been hurt, has he? He didn't miss any time. No. What are we doing? Throw him more. This is new to me. I don't watch the Reds every day. I wouldn't bear myself that burden. Seems like a miserable existence. I feel sorry for all you Reds fans. But Alexis Diaz has the fifth most innings in the bullpen? I'm. This is real time. That is crazy. He's your best arm. How do you... In what f- scenario is Buck Farmer, Andrew Bow, Derek Law, and Alex Young, who have all pitched great, all sub-four ERAs, in what world are they, should they be getting more innings than Alexis Diaz? Golly, extend bell. That's great. Casey, who would you like to see in the Reds All Star, be in the Reds All Star game? Uh, I mean, if it was based off of a popularity vote, um, it's probably gonna be India. But what well, kind of is off a of popularity vote? So well, the starters are. Uh, yeah, the they're not gonna they're not gonna get a starter in. I mean, I, I would say probably Friedel or India, but like Matt McLean hasn't played enough. To, for you no, to put no, him no, in no. there. Yeah, yeah, it's not even a conversation. There's really no one else on this Reds team. Diaz is the next closest one. I could see a, I could see a scenario in which Alexis Diaz and Jonathan India both make the All-Star yeah. game. Yeah. Which I said before the year would should be one of the Reds' goals. Only the worst teams in the league get one All-Star. If you got multiple All-Stars, that means you got a couple bright spots. So... If, being a multiple all-star team shows improvement for the Reds. And Alexis Diaz and Jonathan India are right there. Now you got to compare who the other arms are, who they're going against, like Ozzy Albies. Um, I don't know the other second baseman off. Nico Horner for the Cubs would be up there as well. Huh. All right. Thursday night football. Yeah, you guys talked about this a lot. What are your guys' thoughts on this? You guys I mean- gave it a... I'm Type so out on it. Thursday night football anyway that there is like a small sliver of me that does enjoy that if we're going to be shoved down our throat, at least the games might be a little more exciting, but that's stupid. And the whole premise of it is dumb. So I'm, I'm very much obviously against it, as is probably everybody. I haven't really seen anybody that's for it besides the networks and Amazon, but I guess at least if you're trying to take some kind of a positive, maybe we get an exciting consistently exciting Thursday night games toward the end of the year if you're trying to spin it. I But I don't think that's the point here. Can I be the antagonist in the room? Uh-oh. I like it. 
I like how they can flex Thursday night football games. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh. I like the like I like the idea of it, but I don't think it's good for the players. It's terrible for the players. But like for the fans, like yeah, it's great. Yeah. I don't, yeah, think, you're off, I don't think you're off base. I'm with, I'm with you on that. That's that's my point. Like I think if we're gonna have to be forced to watch these games, all right. But because the Thursday night football games at the end of the year are like almost unwatchable more often than not, because you kind of got to guess on who's gonna be good. Yeah. And you could only have in previous years only do it one time, right? By the way, you were mentioning the Bears have two Thursday night football games. Was one of them Thanksgiving? Casey? The 24th, I think. Yeah. That's got to be be Thanksgiving. So they still only have really one Thursday night football game. I guess guess Thanksgiving still is. uh... All right. Take on uh, Thursday night football. Well, Paul led off there by saying it's not bad for the fans. It's not bad for the fans in the sense that that are watching the TV product. Mm -hmm. But what about fans that are buying tickets to games five, six weeks in advance, planning trips? Primetime games are a big deal. People that have to travel to go see their favorite team play, they right. search for those primetime games. And you buy those tickets in the preseason. That's why they put those schedules out. So to flex teams out of Thursday night where it's not, you know, Saturday back to the midday where you can keep that same travel plan, having you're, you're basically taking away the priority of the in-stadium fan, which I think is a little bit weird. But once again, trying to be an antagonist here, um, Jacob – is that a? It's how many people is that affecting? Yeah, I, I right. Get that. Like maybe a thousand fans, yeah. at most, yeah, as opposed that. to the the grand NFL product is it's gonna they're now gonna have a better product for millions and millions of people. That's a fair point. But you're right. I mean, people it, watch the Thursday night football game regardless. Tom put the said the numbers earlier. I forget exactly what he said. Seventeen million, million or people. something like that. Yeah. So putting a bad game on, we had bad Thursday night football most of the year last year, and they still mm. got crazy numbers. I just don't feel like flexing the thing was a necessary change because the numbers weren't bad, even though we had horrible games. I, just because the numbers are good doesn't mean the product's good, and I think that's what they're trying to do. They're, the NFL is always trying to make their product better. Will the product get better the second, maybe maxed at two times, right, per team? Yeah. Will the product get better the second time a team's out there on Thursday night? Yeah. Yeah, can you already see the the headlines? One kid or one of the players goes down in the second quarter, misses it. That's the headline right then and there, right? Hypothetically, that first flexed game, say, star quarterback tears his ACL out for the year. Thursday night football flex is done. Like they'll, they'll, it they'll won't be it. done. They'll pull it next no, year. No, they won't. Well, if so? it's a star quarterback, yeah. If a star player gets hurt first year of flex. That's what's so great about the NFL, in all seriousness, is they change the rules every single year. Every single year, the rules are changed just like that. They are so mobile as an organization. It's why it's king. I know the sport is better or more fun to watch than other sports. But, man, they are just so mobile. They are always changing things on the fly. Casey, I haven't heard your your opinion. You're, you don't like it. I mean, I know we heard it on Off the Bench, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Um, very similar to, to Jacob's reasoning, too. I, I didn't mention it on Off the Bench, but he brings up a good point. The fans that planned to be there. And I think it affects more than 1,000. Because you're talking about a whole other team getting – their team scheduled from Sunday to now Thursday. Yeah, yeah. 
So now these fans that were expecting to be there to watch a football game on the weekend, their ticket is now on Thursday, and maybe they didn't have work scheduled off. You know, I, I think it's a lot bigger than than it is being out, being made out to be. But my main concern is more just the injury concerns and just all the other – like the product is still going to be bad if a team has to play two Thursday night games, especially that late into the season. Those are the, the – that part of the season is the most important for recovery, right? And you're taking away some of that recovery for these teams, and I just – not a fan of it. Don't like it. I think that it is – and these are the points that everyone's making – is it is clearly worse for the player. You don't get as much rest. You're on a short staff. But I think us as fans, which is who they're trying to deliver the product to, I think we're going to love it. I truly do think we're going to love it as fans to where that Thursday night football game is no longer the Panthers versus the Commanders when both teams are four games under 500. It is now going to be meaningful football to get the week going, to get the NFL week going. I think us fans are going to love it. Truly do. And barring Joe Burrow getting hurt, barring Patrick Mahomes getting hurt, barring Justin Herbert getting hurt, barring a premier NFL player getting hurt very early on in these flex scheduled games, it's going to be fantastic. So often I feel like rules across the time. And I believe Trace brought... I, I was talking to Trace about this, and I think he brought this up on the show. When was the last time that a league implemented a major change? And it was terrible. Unanimously terrible. And every time they implement this, these major changes, there is half the people like, yeah, this sounds nice. And half the people are like, this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to this league. MLB rule changes this year. It took three weeks for people to get over it. Three weeks. Remember when spring training first started? And everyone was like, dude, these guys are getting strikes calling on. This guy just struck, struck out because he didn't get step in the box. And we thought it was going to be the worst thing ever. It hasn't mattered. Very, very small has mattered. I mean, obviously, there's been still plays here and there. When the kickoff changed in the NFL to where they make it to where the kickoff isn't going to be as, as important of the game. And they did that again this year. We're like, this is crazy. Kickoffs are part of the game. What are we doing changing it? Didn't change a thing. You can go all the way back to the 90s when they first implemented instant replay in football games. No, we want, we want the refs to get it on the field. It's going to slow the game down. It's going to make it different. Now can you imagine watching an NFL game that didn't have an instant replay? Can you imagine, imagine watching a baseball game that didn't have instant replay? We want the calls right. Every major change has been welcomed among sports. They aren't doing this on the fly. They're doing this very real. Casey, what's it going to do? What's it going to take for you to change your opinion on this? Um, I mean, I'm I'm a player's first guy, so it's not going to – I don't think you're going to make me budge on this. I get it as a from a fan perspective, from a television watcher, but I genuinely think that – when you get down to it, if you're going to make these teams play two short weeks back, like just the comparison that Tom put up there, the Bengals playing that week 11 Thursday night game against the Ravens, there's a potential that they get flexed with the Vikings 
not being a game that's determined the time yet mm-hmm. to a Thursday night game, I think you're going to see a lot worse of a product just because of how you're you're making it so that these players don't have enough recovery. I just I'm not a fan of it. I, I just I don't think I'm going to budge from that. I'm not a fan of it. There's not much that you, that's going to be able to change my mind and um maybe I, I maybe I am underplaying the recovery aspect of it. I mean, I, I can see that it's clearly clearly more time for players to rest is better for the players. And I'm a player first guy too. I I truly think that I am. Anytime that I I see a, a big contract or anything, I, I don't think of the team ramifications. I say good for the player because I want players to get theirs. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we see injuries by, you know, like great numbers of injuries in these flex games. And we immediately go, all right, well, we can't do this anymore, which will happen. That will happen. You're right about that, Jacob. If we see a lot of injuries, they're going to be like, okay, let's, let's send this on back. I think barring major injury, fans will not have a gripe with it when it rolls around. Because like you said, no one wants to watch the Texans and the Cardinals three win teams in week 17. When no one wants that. Games on Sunday at 1 p.m. between, you know, 12 and 4 and 12 and 4. Right. Like, it's going to be good in the moment. Barring an injury or anything crazy like that, I think it's going to be a great change. And I would – see, my, my biggest problem with this change is because it was, it was built upon, one, money, and two, they are anticipating flexing the games that they scheduled already. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, don't schedule them that way then. Make it, like I said, make it a rivalry day. Like, make it, market it in a way where you know you're not going to have to flex Thursday night. That's all I'm trying to get at is that this could have been avoidable. It could have been so much more than what it is. And now it's. They're already admitting defeat is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, they've already admitted like, yeah, we're probably going to change this Jets-Cleveland game. Or, you know, it, it, maybe not. Maybe they don't change it at all. But I'm just saying, like... They've so you, left... just, you just want them to, preseason, do a better job of... Yeah. Basically. Basically. Or just market it better, right? Like, I mean, at this point, the marketing of Thursday Night Football is bad because everyone perceives it as what it was last year. And I would argue that in years past, it's been pretty good. It's always been the ugly stepchild of the... Of the primetime game since its inception, which I don't know how since long it's been. How Monday, long, how- Monday night football has been the one that in, in, le- in recent memory has been bad, if you ask me. Monday night football has been the one that nobody watches. And I think the numbers even back that up. Thursday night is the one that has been better than Monday night. But I could, I could be wrong because I've had a lot of good memories with Bengals on Thursday night. That could be clouding my judgment here. Right. But... I just think that in, in, in doing what they've done, they've already admitted defeat, kind of like what you said there, Paul. And it's just like, just do a better job then. You know, like it's a primetime game. Like, why are you putting in terrible teams to begin with? So, and I understand maybe every team needs a third. I believe every team needs a Thursday night game. But let's make it a rivalry game then. So it's not just some 
like you said, the Cardinals versus the Texans. Why why are they even playing each other, right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Just make it a rivalry well, they, game. They were always handcuffed by the fact that the rule that you could only play one Thursday night football game, right? That yeah. limits your scheduling opportunities to where you're going to have duds. Like, if you have every team has to play one game to make it fair then you're kind of handcuffed by what you can and can't put on Thursday night football. You also only get five primetime games in Sunday night football and Monday night football usually get the choices first and those right. big teams right. get sucked up by those games and can't play on Thursday night. Yeah, and also the Thursday night football has always been pre, right. pre-scheduled, right. right? Sunday night football and Monday night football have been too, but they've... Does Monday night football can, can't flex, can they, it? They've both been able to flex. I think Monday night football... Flex started a couple of years ago. Right. Sunday Night Football obviously has always been able to. Yeah, because it doesn't ch- it changes just the day one time. How long has Thursday Night Football been around? It's not been. No. It's not been that long. Not that it hasn't long. been like 10, 15. It's been like 15 years I maybe? Think right around. 15 yeah, I'm not years? sure, but right around that. Jolly Jolly's in the chat. He should know. But he also brought up a good point when I was talking about rule changes and when was the last time that a rule, a big rule change has been. 16 uni- years. It's been 2006 was the first season. 15, pretty solid guess. Yeah. Nice, nice 2007, Everett Henry. So, I don't know. I just, I think us as fans are going to appreciate seeing the marquee games on Thursday Night Football. I mean, at the end of the year, they're just going to put the, you know, three of the biggest games of the week, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, in front of the national audience instead of burying it at 1 p.m. or 4 p.m. We'll see. I, I think the only thing that detracts it is we'll, we'll see how it does with the players. And that's what everyone is saying. So if I think I, I think it's going to get swept under the rug. All it takes is one player, one marquee player getting hurt on these flex games. And Just to meet a middle ground, I do totally agree, though. Like, as a at-home watcher of, like, a team that I might not watch, it being able to be flexed to something else where I can be like, yeah, every Thursday night is going to be enjoyable, that's nice. You know, especially for someone like me that plays like fantasy football all the time. Right. Watching that Thursday night game, if it's like a stinker, you know, that's, stinker doodle. There's probably not very many fantasy players on that team then as well. So just from that perspective too, I can I can see where you're coming from from a fan perspective. All right. Last debate topic I really wanted to bring up. We're talking, obviously, about the Marymount Warriors, lacrosse. He was asking me about the my, my alma mater, Baden, and stuff like that. Here in Cincinnati, Paul knows this. Yep. We like high school sports. But there's also kind of this black eye, right, about, like, so I went to the Baden game last night. I felt weird being there. You know, I haven't been in high school in 10 years, 11 years, whatever it's been. And you feel kind of weird about going to high school games. And if you you bring it up, people are like, man, you care about your high school and stuff like that. So Paul is an outsider. Casey is someone who's from the area. Jacob is someone's from the area. Is it weird or is it not weird to take ownership and be a fan of your high school? Like where you went? I, so my, my take on this since I've been here in the last five years is that there's a very... <laughs> I don't know if I'm the one you want to be going to for a high school sports take, but I guess as a neutral Yeah, person, I actually want to, for I someone who's from the, the outside, maybe I, am the right, maybe I am the right person. Right, that's exactly, to. you're exactly uh, Okay, so, so my take on it has been, I think it's 
kind of cool that everybody gets into the high school scene as much as they do around here. What I get very, I don't know, what kind of creeps me out are the people that get so into it and critical of the athletes. If you want to be a fan of the entity of your school, right? Yeah, that is cool. And I, I really appreciate and respect and like what everybody does around here with going to a football game on Friday night, going to the Baden game. That's great. Honestly, I wish I had that kind of a connection where my high school was good enough to be able I look once a year, once a year in May, I look at all the stats. Yeah, we I, did. I see how the football team did in the fall, the basketball team did, and the baseball team did. I check it once a year and just, well, all right. But I, got, I have no athletic connection to my school, and I kind of wish I did. I think it's fun when you look at St. X and Muller and the athletes and the tradition and all of the famous stars that have come out of this area. But when you start getting into this discussion in April about who the Star third string court. running back is going to be on yeah. so-and-so division three team, uh, you know, in October, that's where I'm just, that's where you kind of lose me. So to sum up your take and correct me if I'm being wrong here, you appreciate the community yes. aspect of it and cheering for something that you have once belonged to and still belong to. But when you become critical of the team, that's when it gets weird. Like when, when you start well, talking about a kid's play, when you start talking about the coach's decisions and stuff like that, when you get critical as we do for professional sports, when you start dignifying the high school player, that's when it gets weird. And I think that's a fair take. Like I if, think the players, I think the coaches can be criticized because a lot of these people are in communities where you might know the coach. Right. You know who the people are. You, you might have grown up with them. You might have played with them at some point. When you sure. get old enough, you've played with some of these coaches. So you know who they are, how they coach, what their coaching style is. The coaches are fine. I do think it's a little weird where you get overly critical of them. Um, but, you know, if, if they're bad, you got to be critical of them. You got to mm – -hmm. I mean, these are your kids that they're coaching. So I don't necessarily hold you accountable – or I don't hold any, against anybody for being overly critical of the coaches. But when – when you go online and you start to see some of these Yappy. discussions, yeah, I, I didn't Do you know even anything know what about. Yappy is? I don't know about Yappy, so I, 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 I don't know anything about Yappy. I'd never heard of Yappy before a few months ago, and you you introduced it to me. I've never been on it, I don't think, but I know that, I know the equivalent in Kentucky because that's where I had worked for a few years. DJ Huddle, uh, Bluegrass Preps, oh. yeah. So, so I, I spent some time on bluegrass preps and, and just to kind of, you know, get an idea of, of what everybody was doing or talking about or thinking or the vibes and stuff. And, man, I get, get into some of that. It's like – it's tough. If you, so if you guys don't know what Yappy is, it's a, it's a blog for high school, and they have forums and stuff like that. And it's basically the parents of kids shitting on opposing teams. Like it, it, is, it is so – it is so funny because when I was in high school, my dad, other people's parents, all these parents would collectively be like, stay off Twitter, stay off Facebook. That stuff is just toxic as could be. Meanwhile, they already had their own social media, this thing called Yappy, this thing called JJ Huddle, where they would do the exact same thing. And it was just the most hypocritical thing in the world. And if you get on Yappy, it is, it is a cesspool. It is, it is the worst parts of high school football. But Casey and Jacob, you guys are from this area. What do you think about 
Cincinnati's connection to their high school and, and still going out on Friday nights to go to the football game, still caring if your team wins or loses, still caring about the rivalries. Casey, we saw you kick somebody from Goshen in the chat. But what do you guys think about Cincinnati's relationship with their high school after you graduate? I played football at St. X for four years. I, I keep track of them. I watched games. While What's I was it called? The Blue Line or something? Long like? Blue Line. Long Blue Line. St. Xavier Bombers. Yes, sir. But uh, my freshman year in college, they went on a run and won the state championship. And I watched almost every game on right. the live stream on my computer. And going to Alabama, people from other places in the country thought that was the wildest thing that you're doing on a Friday night to watch a high school football game that mm -hmm. I didn't, that I wasn't playing and I didn't have any siblings playing in. So I think it's weird from an outside perspective, at least from the experience that I've had, people that aren't from Cincinnati, but I love it. I mean, I, when they're playing and I'm home, I'll go to the game. Like you said, you went to Baden last night. Absolutely. I love supporting those guys. I still right. know the coaches. I still know right. a lot of the players. I don't see why you wouldn't. I agree. Casey, any differing take? I, uh, no, I don't have much of a different take. I will say, however, um, dollar in the jar. You can become somewhat critical of the players only if and when you are directly involved with the coaching, the staff. coaching yeah. staff or like you, you, That's you've shown up coach. to practice and you, you've helped out some of those kids and you maybe might be on the sideline. You're trying to help them and guide them. That's happened to me a few times, at least for Blanchester's sake. Thomas is actually one of the coaches um, for Blanchester Athletics. Your best man. My best man. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about the team in general, what the team needs to do to get better, what they need to work on, things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's weird to me, even that, like, for, for me, it's extremely weird for, like, a D5 school, like where I came from, for parents to even be, like, remotely critical of their their kids. Mm -hmm. It's just weird to me. Yeah. Especially when, like, you know, they're probably not going to go to – this is just something that they're, like, doing for fun, and it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a memory for them. Don't taint it, right? Don't taint the memory of this, this program um, and for your kid. So – yeah, I mean, I, I still follow Blanchester Athletics. I still do. And I will defend them if people start crapping on them in the chat. But apparently we'll that makes me a tyrant. That makes me a tyrant if I defend my, my school. So so I think we've hit on all the all the right points here. Yeah. It is it is a cool thing that I don't think just Cincinnati, but Ohio does as a whole to where we care about where we come from. You know, the the old meme in, in Cincinnati is you meet somebody, the first one of the first things you ask them is where'd you go to high school? Because it kind of gives you a baseline of, understanding who this person is because you know i mean for good or bad you have your stereotypes of each high school that you know and you're like oh okay you're jacob went to say next <laughs> stuff like that okay casey went to blanchester paul went to wherever john paul the second <laughs> the great whatever whatever it was but we like that i for people that have always pushed back against when i like you know start talking about you know, Hamilton High School, Baden High School, Ross High School, all these local high schools that I, you know, know people in the community so I care about. They'll push back against it and be like, why do you care? Like, that's weird that you care about it. And I will say this, dollar in the jar. Why is it weirder for me to care about the athletics of a high school that I went to 
that I know people that are a part of the community in, that I know people that are currently still active in that athletic organization. Why is that weirder than for me to care about the Chicago Cubs or for me to care about the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't know a damn soul that has ever played for the Bengals. I don't, I know one guy who played for the Cubs, but that I have so many more connections to these local teams. I have so many more connections to the local communities than I will ever have with a professional organization. But it's, some people think it's weirder to, to root for a high school than it is to root for a professional team. I've always thought this about high school. Like I don't, or college, I don't understand how people can, you know, go to the university of Alabama and cheer for Ohio state football. Like that's, I've always wondered that that's an interesting dynamic of sports fandom. It truly is. You know, I think you make a really good point on that too, because there was a tweet that was going viral in the last few days about which teams you've stuck through and which teams are your favorite teams. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were quote tweeting it. And so I kept seeing it pop up on my timeline and I felt like over and over and over again, I would see people have their favorite team, obviously not a hundred percent, but a lot of people's favorite teams were their colleges. And I feel the same way. And you call me a fraud or call me whatever you want. I just feel like I get more connected with the college atmosphere atmosphere because you were a part of it. Right. You, you were, were there. there and you were part of it. And I like, and okay, sure. Man, the product's not as good. The, the players aren't as good, whatever. But like, I feel like professional sports, or at least to me, have been so malleable in the sense of, you know, growing up in D.C. where I didn't have a team, then I did have a team, but I was a Reds fan first. Then I, you work for the Orioles, you're around the Nationals, you now live here in Cincinnati. It's like, you know, the, the Redskins were never good while I was there, and then the Bengals now have become good. So it's like I, I've never really, outside of, you know, my family was huge Bengals fans, but this connection now that you have to college is way different than what you might have or might not have to professional teams. Mm -hmm. And... So And that's an entirely different deal because then you get over the age of 18, you get into college, and, you know, you're an adult, and it becomes a, a much different scenario. So that's – that's the, you can't even compare the two worlds. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think the high school thing around here, I think cheering for the school as an entity is good. Uh, I, I think that, that once you get into, you know, why did – Jimmy play like that on Friday. If you're not Jimmy's parent or, uh, you know, the running back's parent when the other parent is the right. the quarterback, that's different. If you're just the random fan going to mm -hmm. the Fairfield High School football game on a Friday night and you have no connection and you're just, well, you know, you're not a scout, nothing. You're just, I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's tough for me to be critical of kids like that. I agree. No, I agree. I actually yeah. I was on Facebook recently and I saw this, this video go viral uh, about uh, something that happened between a Baden family and a Ross family, which obviously those two teams, those two schools are uh, rivals. And immediately the post people just went beyond what the post was about and just go, Oh, that's what you should expect from a Ross guy. Or that's what you should expect from a Baden guy. That stuff's garbage cares if you let the rivalries from when you're in high school still play a factor in what you think of people to this day that's that's bad casey i'm looking at you and goshen with uh blanchester just kicking people <laughs> but i say that tongue-in-cheek but leave that in the dust root for your team be supportive 
be optimistic. Don't be an antagonist. And that's it. All right. Um, I just want to say a quick RIP for our Dallas Stars because they're done. Lost 3 nothing. I was watching the game locked in. Paul, I don't know if you were locked in last night. They gave up a goal in the first minute and a half, then a goal a minute and a half later. And then they gave up one third goal, uh, the third goal, like with a couple minutes ago in the first period. And I was like, all right, well, it's a nice run, Dallas Stars. We got next year, though, Paul. Always next year for our beloved Stars. When Sad that they're done. The, the, the clock's dwindling. Tyler Seguin, Jamie Benn, they're getting old. It's all right, Jason Robertson's right there for us. Jason Robertson, Mira Hashkin. Yeah. Adi. Well, Adi had a bad game last night. Yeah. Mm. Texas hockey, tough. Mm. All right. Uh, In the vault. Got one bet for you. In the vault. And it is to bet on the St. Louis Cardinals to win tonight and the Cubs to win in a in a parlay. Which Shocker. <laughs> which, J- Jacob, you got anything for us? Jacob which was on a Ma- plus two oh three on Betfred Sportsbook. K- Jacob, you Jacob was be- on Matt McLean's home run last night. I used all my luck last night, so Okay. Uh, I don't have anything to that. You guys both hit on the Matt McClain home run, right? Yes. Well, Casey kind of did. <laughs> kind of did. Oh, it was a parlay? It was a parlay. You should have oh. seen te- – Casey was texting me at about 9 o'clock last night, and he was – Casey was down bad because he realized <laughs> the way the game was trending, and Casey had a crazy parlay. Crazy same-game parlay. Came, it came was, down to the Reds winning? Yep. Yeah, it was a – Parlay plus. It was a 2,800 parlay. It was a what? 2,800. Mm. And I had 10 bucks the, on it. You're putting in the Paul school of, of betting oh, yeah. where he's almost hitting. <laughs> almost oh, hitting. Almost. Well, this one, literally, it came down to the very last hitter. I mean, Jonathan India with bases loaded. If he hits a if he hits a grand slam, I win the bet. And I, I, I even put it in the Discord that I was going to buy a Kevin Newman jersey because he started the rally. He got a single. Hit two hits yesterday. That. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have to subject myself to that horror. So, <laughs> I uh, can you I, even buy a Kevin Newman jersey, or do you have to get that customized? You probably have to get it customized. Yeah. I don't even think two hundred eighty bucks would cover it. No, no, there's probably no not. Way. I'm coming in. I'm gonna like have to wear a tuxedo on Friday. Paul, you're out on Friday, right? No, I'm here. Oh, you're here. I'm here. Nice. Okay. I'm just leaving after the show, but I'm here every day. Okay. Well, ever if you have a Marlboro shirt, I'll rock it. It's got to be a schmedium can't be too big on me it's gotta be nice and small mm. all right guys wheel of lunch let's let's, let's go somewhere that has ketchup mm. i like ketchup i love ketchup it's I, not as good as mustard but mm. i like ketchup you ever if you guys ever think about like what condiments are like down to like the the rudiment of it like mayonnaise which is delicious eggs and oil yeah literally just whole eggs and oil Ketchup, tomato juice, and sugar. It's rock and roll. I don't even know what mustard is. Is mustard seeds, like crushed up mustard seeds and oil? Yeah. Nice. Love it. Real healthy. What else we got here? Any suggestions? Don't know. I don't have anything else. Guys, the mustache is leaving soon. I think it's going to be gone tomorrow. Did you guys like the mustache? Shall I like for it. Yeah, why not? Well, I, I figured Sonic. there was a Zach Bryan concert coming up. See you, Sonic. You're going to want that mustache in the pictures. There is one. There, there is one. So at Cleveland, June 2nd. Lexington, what? June 3rd. Okay, okay wait. I, I actually, I do need this. 
and this is going to show Chad Waits puts a super chat in. Sup everyone except Paul Bart Scott apologist. Mm. I I simply searched uh, can't wait on the GIF thing last night on the GIF searcher, and uh, Bart Scott's thing was the first thing that popped up. I have no clue, no clue. Why does Bart Scott hate the Bengals? He's the guy that said that um, the Ravens are going to put a red dot on the back of Joe Burrow's helmet. Oh, he said that? He's the guy that... that uh, I know that. I, I didn't know he said that. Yeah, he's the guy that... He's the guy who said that the, the Bengals were getting too cocky and they need to they need to be tempered down after they literally won their first playoff game. Oh, that was this past game. year. That was, no, that was Two after years. they won their first playoff game. He also has some yeah. history when he was playing with the Ravens with the Bengals. Okay. That's why Casey hates the Ravens. Not, not the only right. reason, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, cause Chad, Chad was very upset with that. I used that chip and I was like, brother... It's the first first result. <laughs> what we got left on here? God, Skyline sounds good. Gotta be honest with you. I was rooting for Star? Canes, I'm not gonna lie. Can we go to Gold Star? Skyline. Oh, oh well. Oh man, we got Frishes in the chat? We got Frishes in, in the wheel? I put it up there. I love that. I would love to go to Frishes today. I, I, uh, oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> I would have done it again. I did not know that Frisch's has a reputation for. Like I think of Frisch's as like just Bob Evans. Like I think of it at the exact same breath as like Bob Evans, but it does not have that reputation anywhere other than Hamilton. Well, there it is. Uh -oh. I saw Frisch's catching some hate here. It get, catches a lot of hate. Well, apparently it got sold and the quality's gone down or something. I was I saw it on a Reddit thread. People were talking about hmm. local Cincinnati eateries that have lost quality lately. Frisch's was a major, major topic in the thread. BK or TB? Oh, man. TB. It's a loser, loser. Hmm. All right. We got through. We got, got through Al, wait, wait, wait. Before we go off the air, I want to know, Alex Wallace, why, why did it go down? I'm like I, I don't know. I used to go to Frisch's all the time in college. There's that Frisch's right there. No, the we didn't go. I'm growing up when I'd come here over to vi to visit family. I love Frisch's. I genuinely did not know that Frisch's had a bad reputation until I went north to for school and people were like, "You go to Frisch's?" Like, "Yeah, I go to Frisch's." They're like, "Oh man," I did not know it had a bad reputation. Genuinely did not know. I know there are some frishes in like bad spots that they're kind of run down, but I food wise, I didn't know that either. Alex said simply, it's just not as good. So I'll end the okay. I'll end the show on this story. I was up in Detroit on a baseball trip when I was in high school, and we stop at a big boy, because frishes are big boys, but they're just locally owned, right? And we go to this big boy in Detroit, and I order a big boy. And they come out. And my sandwich had Thousand Island on it hmm. instead of tartar sauce. I look at him. I was like, I wanted a big boy. What the hell is this? They said, oh, you wanted an Ohio big boy. So apparently, if you go to big boys across the country, they vary what is on their big boy depending on what region you're in. In Ohio, we put tartar sauce on it. So nah, the more you know. If you're ever in California and go to a big boy, you're not going to. Not going to get tartar sauce on that sandwich. All right, this has been Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Thank you to Jacob, Paul, Casey for helping out for this second hour. We'll be back on Friday. We'll see you then.